Pandemonium Reigns. Pandemonium Reigns podcast. What is up? Happy weekend. Happy TGIF. Uh, whatever, whenever you're tuning into this episode of Pandemonium Reigns podcast. We appreciate it so much. Go ahead and hit like on this video. Uh, share and subscribe if you have not already. We appreciate it so much. And we're here to talk about freaking week 11. The season continues to slip away from us, but it is an absolute jam-packed weekend. Crayon full of great games, great matchups, uh, a lot on the line, a lot on the table this time of the year anyway. And this weekend just does not disappoint. Uh, gonna flip the script a little bit today because as you can see, your boy is flying solo. I'm gonna hit you with just some quick picks before we really get into the meat and potatoes of the slate uh, because there's so many good games. I mean, there's just, you could just spend hours and hours, I think, talking about week 11 and the matchups that we have in the top 25 alone. Uh, if you dip into the unranked versus unranked matchups, it just goes deeper and deeper. It's absolutely unbelievable. Uh, but nonetheless, let's get into the games. We're going to get it started with some West Coast action. The Pac-12 alone this week, you've got Arizona traveling to Colorado, USC traveling to Oregon. I think you know how we're going to land on that one. You've also got Utah traveling to Washington. Uh, that is two really good games. One additional matchup that just is going to bring a lot of attention because it's still Dion, it's still Colorado. You've still got Arizona coming out of the absolute Woodwork this season, uh, six and three record for the Wildcats. Which, if you predicted that through nine games, again, I need receipts. I need records. You got to show me uh, because I just don't know that anyone saw that coming because they've been a program on the rise, and here they are again, six and three through nine games. They are ten point road favorites in Boulder uh, for a two o'clock local time kick at Colorado on Saturday. Again, 10 point favorites. I certainly like them to win this game, not just because they're six and three, but more so because of the sustained struggles that we've seen for Colorado this year. And, you know, if you're bought into the sport, you knew that it was coming at some point, you knew that it would be tough for Dion and co uh, to sustain the success, the pressure that they allow on Shadur Sanders, the, the limitations that come when you bring in so many transfers, when you've been a program that Colorado's been, um, and you've got Arizona kind of on just a different trajectory right now, uh, ranked 21st in the nation per ESPN. I mean, that's that's outstanding coaching. That is a fantastic job instilling a winning culture out there from just what was a terrible, terrible program. Uh, so really proud of the, of the Arizona Wildcats on that uh, on that front, especially with the changes coming to the Pac-12. Uh, but again, you've got them 10-point favorites going into Boulder. I'm going to say they probably cover that. Um, it could really go either way. I certainly think they're going to win the game. Uh, you've got an over-under, 54.5. That feels so, so low with how we know uh, at least Colorado can score points, given the opponent. Um, I'm, I'm going to say they hit the over. I'm going to say Arizona covers. They're definitely winning the game, uh, even if they don't cover, you know, even with the road struggles that I'm not going to go as far into this week uh, when previewing these games. Staying out west, uh, again, just 
an absolute bomb of a game here. You've got Utah traveling to Washington. Washington nine and a half point home favorites, which feels steep. It feels just a hair steep because Utah has just done so much without really cam rising with second and third string getting so deep into their quarterback depth chart, not really mattering who's played, not the biggest fan of how Washington's been playing. Um, they, they obviously went into LA and they won by 10 last week. That doesn't do a whole lot for me because of uh, the way you've heard me talk about USC, the way that I still feel about USC at the end of the day. Um, you know, I don't, I don't like the way that Washington's playing either. Uh, with the close call with Washington, the stinker that was the Arizona State win, 15-7. to 7. Uh, And it's funny because all that action came on the heels of beating Oregon at home uh, by a field goal. And now, again, you've got, if, if, not the toughest, if, not, if not the toughest program in the nation, absolutely one of the toughest programs in the nation in Utah uh, coming over, should be feeling disrespected even though it's at Washington that they are nine and a half point dogs. I think I like Washington to continue their winning ways. Uh, and it may not be in the prettiest fashion because even if Washington wasn't playing some kind of sus football right now, Utah's just got such an ability to, to really muddy up football games, to really make you earn every yard and certainly every point that you look to put up over under a 49 and a half, which is super, super low. Uh, I'm going to go over that because I do trust uh, Michael Penix. I don't trust the Washington defense all that much. Uh, I think there's certainly certainly room for this game to go over that. And again, I'm going to say Washington wins, but Utah probably covers that nine and a half uh, from my perspective leading into this game, even though we've talked about the troubles that they've had health-wise, roster-wise, all those things. Um, staying out west for one more game, and we've got USC – the Trojans traveling to Oregon, traveling into a hornet's nest. I mean, good luck. You've got a 10.30 uh, Eastern kick, and I probably got the time wrong on the first one because I'm you know, just now remembering how the time system works in the United States of America. Uh, 10.30 Eastern kick between the Trojans and the Ducks, the unranked 7-3 and three Trojans who just should not be in the shape that they're in. They should have a defense. They've obviously fired... Grinch, their DC. You've seen the emotions. You've seen the losses that they've taken. Uh, they did break their losing streak with the win over Cal. That could have also been a loss, and and really just turned this into a potentially like a eight and four team, which you certainly didn't hear many saying at the beginning of the year, despite the issues that I think we all knew existed in LA. Again, Trojans traveling to to Oregon to the Ducks, where the Ducks are 15-point home favorites. I love, love, love the Ducks to cover that 15. Even if even if USC turns this into a, a shootout, a barn burner, I don't like their chances. They don't get stops. We've talked about you, uh, you, uh, Oregon's balance on this a whole bunch of times. Over-under is 74-and-a-half, and how is USC going to stop Oregon from scoring 50 if they want to? And it's still Caleb Williams. It's still some of those explosive guys that they've got on the roster. I certainly think they're good for 21, 28 points if they're if they're having their best day. Now, Oregon, I like them so much that I could see them that see them keeping USC's offense down. Um, and again, that's just a massive number of 74 and a half. But I think I think Oregon could really name their spot if they if they absolutely wanted to. So 
I mean, as crazy as it is, I'm going over 74 and a half. I certainly think Oregon covers 15 points. I'm a little bit surprised and maybe Vegas just can't, can't do that much crazy in one matchup. But I mean, couldn't you see this being Oregon minus 20 at home hosting USC in the shape they're in right now? And, and I guess there's always a chance that Oregon could overlook them, but they, they know the name brand, the recognition that USC's gotten. They, they deserve that much, if not more for the team that they have this year. Uh, the Ducks, they're going to cover that 15. And again, I could see this going over 74 and a half. I think that's the way that I'm going to lean on it. And I mean, good luck to USC keeping Oregon under, what, 600 yards of offense? I mean, how are they going to get stops in this game when they've not been able to get stops against, you know, your cows, uh, you know, anybody recently, Washington, Utah that they lost to again, Notre Dame that they lost to in ugly, ugly fashion. They've given up yards and they've given up points everywhere. I mean, they haven't beaten anyone by more than a touchdown since Stanford back in the, the third game of their schedule when they won 56 to 10. Uh, oh, excuse me. They beat Arizona State uh, on the 23rd of September by 14, but that's really the last time we've seen them do anything resembling like what they should have done. So what what in the world would would cause me to pick them to do something against Oregon that they've not done against uh, inferior teams, less talented teams, slower teams, you know, the balance again of Oregon, the the speed and and kind of the full package that they bring uh, when, you know, USC is, is kind of trendy. Uh, they're doing things in the more modern way. They're not playing old school defense at all. Give me the Ducks. They're going to cover that. They're probably going to embarrass USC. I don't need to say again that USC is who we thought they were. They've proven that at this point. They, they've shown us all. And I think that's how Saturday night's going to play out. Bringing this show back closer to your boys and their location, back further south, back further east than that west tour that we just went on. I've got four more games that I want to touch on briefly before we really dive a little bit deeper uh, into some of the premier games this weekend. Got two from the SEC, got two from the ACC. Two pretty good matchups, two matchups that aren't so good, but I don't think we can just skip over, again, because of how great this week is, how great this weekend's slate is uh, across the sport that we love. Uh, leading this off with Florida and LSU. The series is tied, 33 wins apiece, three ties. So someone is get, somebody's going to get their 34th win in this series this weekend. Uh, and if it's Florida, it'll be on the road, Tiger Stadium, 7.30 Eastern time. The place is going to be a hornet's nest. The place all collectively, all of Louisiana wants to bounce back from last week's tough loss at Alabama. Uh, I think this game is, is so simple. Uh, if I haven't mentioned it, Florida is also 14-point. Uh, road dogs, uh, which makes total sense to me if you look at the makeup of these teams right now, how the offenses are playing, because I think that's the key. I think Jaden Daniels, if he's back, I just don't see how Florida can overcome this. I think they could absolutely cover 14, it, uh, even if Jaden Daniels plays. I don't see how they can win this game, even if he doesn't play, maybe. Um, just because of how limited they are at times offensively, we don't know what Florida we're going to get. We're looking, they're looking for their first win in three weeks, dating back to at South Carolina, one of the absolute worst teams in the SEC this year, uh, where they won 41 to 39. 
ugly fashion, giving up that many points, having needing 40 to beat South Carolina this year is not ideal. Um, and again, things were different three weeks ago, but that's how it's played out. I don't see, again, I don't see a path to victory for Florida unless Alabama just beats LSU twice, unless Jaden Daniels can't go and Garrett Nussmeyer just stinks the place up. I don't see a true Florida beats a full or fullish strength LSU card on the table in the deck. Um, I don't know where it is. It just doesn't feel real with, with the way that they've played recently, getting smacked by Georgia, losing that, that stinker of a game at home, that nooner to Arkansas. I just I don't know how you bounce back from that and beat LSU. Now, granted, this is absolutely, to those of us around, around these parts, the wildest sport in the world. So perhaps, you know, I'm, I'm oversimplifying it a little bit. I don't see it, though. I'm going to say Florida covers 14. LSU absolutely wins the game. Uh, Over-under sitting at 64.5, which when I saw that initially, I was like, that's insane. Then I remembered how, how LSU can play uh, defensively at times if they, if they allow the motion, if they don't stop the runs. And granted, it's been, it's been the deep ball that they've not stopped that well. Florida's that's that's not a strength of theirs. Their strength is driving the ball down the field uh, over several plays, holding on to time of possession, which if they can do, will benefit them greatly. Uh, I just don't think they'll be able to do all of those things in that environment, in that night slot that is so tough, uh, so tough to play in. So give me the Tigers to win the game. Give me Florida to cover. And you know what? I've been leaning over probably way too much. Let's go under 64 and a half. It, it could go either way. Could certainly go over with LSU's defense, but give me the under 64 and a half there. Just going to take a chance on that. And it's not like I'm putting any money on it anyway. Uh, staying in the Southeast, but flipping over to the ACC real quick, you've got the Hurricanes of Miami traveling into Dope Campbell Stadium. They are also 14 and a half point road dogs. Now this one, Makes even more sense to me than Florida being 14-point underdogs at LSU. Uh, with the way that Florida State's been playing this year, yeah, it's been a little more sus lately. I think everyone goes through stretches, whether you're you know, a playoff contender like Florida State, whether you're someone that's more middle of the pack or even a team that's, that's lost their fair share, share of those games. I think everyone goes through a stretch in the season, uh, especially when it features some road games like Florida State at Pitt did last weekend. Uh, this, this line again, 14 and a half makes total sense to me. Probably not. If you look at this sport historically, would you say that? Uh, but when you talk about the last, you know, several, several years, 10 plus for Miami, it, it makes sense that, that we're, that they're facing a line like that with how Florida state's been playing the game. Um, I actually like Florida state to cover that 14 and a half. I, I think I've just got that much trust in in their season as a whole. Maybe, again, not how they're playing exactly leading into week 11. But there's too many things that I like about them, and I just don't trust Miami. If it comes down to game management, if it comes down to clock management, should we go for it? Should we, should we punt it away? I, I don't trust them if it's a close game. I think they would almost have to – run away with it or keep Florida State somehow at arm's length throughout, and I just don't think they're good enough to do that. Uh, so I think Florida State covers 14.5, over under 51.5, which is a pretty low number. I think I like both defenses here. 
but it's so, it's so low, and Florida State's just got so much explosion when they're on that I'm going to go over. Van Dyke, if he's healthy, he can obviously move the ball around. They've got some weapons that allow him to do it. They're just not – the consistency is just not there that you need to take steps early in a tenure like Cristobal is. They've still got a lot to – they've still got a lot of holes that they've got to recruit. They've still got he's, – he's got issues for me in his coaching style, in his track record. I don't like them to get the win here. I don't like them to cover here. And, again, I don't trust them very much one way either, uh, you know, under or over. But I'm going to take the over just because it's a pretty low number on the 51.5. But Florida State wins. Florida State covers 14.5. I think they're going to kind of cruise in this game uh, because it's one that means a little bit more probably when you when you look at their state that they play in and all of those factors historically and all of that good stuff. Before, again, I get into the the prime cut games of this week 11 slate, got a couple more. These are more sadness bowls, more who cares bowls, but I want to touch on them for various reasons. Georgia Tech traveling to Clemson. I want to touch on this because Georgia Tech has been winning these odd games this year. Uh, the wins that they have are so wild. Who would have thought, at as of entering week 11, Georgia Tech and Clemson are both five and four. Again, if you said that before the season, if you said that early part of the season, show me some receipts. I don't believe you. Nonetheless, Yellow Jackets heading over to Clemson. They are 14 and a half point road dogs. What about Clemson makes me think that they're going to handle any sort of business? I know that they just got the much needed win over Notre Dame last week. <sighs> Why would I trust them to cover 14 and a half against UT Chattanooga right now? I don't I don't have the proof. It's not there for me. I don't understand. I don't understand why you would bet that. Other than Clemson's been Clemson and Georgia Tech's been Georgia Tech. And those things just seem to to be breaking away from the norms of the last five to ten years. Uh Clemson is looking for its not straight win, I believe I saw over Georgia Tech. I think they'll win the game. I wouldn't bet a dollar that they cover 14 and a half on anybody, just to be clear right now, not just Georgia Tech. And again, Georgia Tech kind of messed up their the the you know, even odd number games that they win last week by beating Virginia. So what are they going to do in this even number game? I mean, would it be that shocking if they went to Clemson and won? Yeah, it'd be pretty shocking. But Clemson's playing such poor football right now over over the season. I just I don't know how you could trust them. That's just what it comes down to for me. So Clemson wins the game. Georgia Tech covers over under 55 and a half. That thing's going so under. This game could be 12 to 7. It could be 3 to 2, 6 to 3. Don't trust these offenses. Do like a little bit of the defenses. I'll give I'll give these teams that, especially Clemson. They've still got dudes. They just aren't executing. They just aren't a, a very sound football team. And the last one before we really get into the prime games. Only mentioning this because of what Arkansas did last week with that win over Florida. And again, we've said it here, Arkansas has to win out to make a bowl. They're sitting at three and six. They are hosting Auburn. They are hosting Auburn as two and a half point favorites, which is pretty tempting here. Again, Arkansas needs this game. If they want to get to a bowl, you've got to think that Pittman's job probably rides on making it to a bowl. If it doesn't, then they really need to reevaluate because of what they can be at Arkansas. And again, I'm rooting for Sam Pittman. I like the guy. I would 
I've said this before, I love Glenn Elderby, and I don't want to mess up the, the staff chemistry, but if we had an offensive line opening co uh, coach opening at Tennessee, you can't find a better one than Sam Pittman, in my eyes. Uh, obviously, running a program has been a lot tougher. We've seen that from so many coordinators, so many saving assistants. We've seen guys fell left and right, you name it. Um, but again, the Razorbacks hosting the Auburn Tigers, two-and-a-half-point favorites. Unfortunately, I like Auburn to cover because I like Auburn to win the game outright. Uh, again, ending Arkansas's bowl chase. They just took too many losses early on to really to really make it count this portion of the season. Um, and again, I think they're going to struggle to beat Auburn because of the steps that they're taking in the right direction, the way that Auburn can really run the ball from quarterback to multiple rounds at running back. Uh, I think I think it's going to be too much for Arkansas with the way that they've played this season. Uh, over under telling number here because of how low it is yet again of these offenses. And look, we just saw Arkansas have a shootout with Florida and all the things that, that Florida's playing for. They couldn't get that win. Over under 48 and a half. Who cares? This is, again, it's all about bowl eligibility for Arkansas if you held a gun to my head, I had to pick, I'd go over just because 48 and a half is so low. That's only, you know, get, get the teams in the upper 20s. They've got it covered, you know. That's the way that that would go. Give me the, the Tigers to win the game. They're obviously going to cover in doing that. And we're about to talk about now some of the absolute prime games of this weekend slate. But before we do, I want to thank our sponsor, and I want to tell you about our sponsor, North Forsyth Training and Fitness, NFTF, located 4015, 4015 Browns Bridge Road. If you're located in the coming area and ready to change your life physically or looking for a new gym, NFTF is the place for you. Owner, head coach, Jesse Foster, he's got all the credentials, all the experience uh, that you would need uh, to help you reach your goals. He's got morning classes running 5.30, 7.30, and 9.00. Afternoon classes, 3.30, 4.30, 5.30, and 6.30. So you know there's a class in that time frame that would fit your schedule. Uh, NFTF is a community-driven gym. Not only you achieving your goals, you're going to do it with a group of people that you'll call your friends in your community. So if you need to know more about NFTF, contact Jesse at 706-633-6609. Make sure to let him know the boys at Pandemonium Rain sent you. Approaching the territory of landing the plane, but not before we finally get into this week's premier games. Kicking that off with Michigan, four and a half point road favorites at Penn State. Uh, a few unfortunate things about this game. First of all, is a noon Eastern kickoff. This game deserves a wide out. Look, I know if you're a Michigan fan, maybe if you're a player, you appreciate this time slot. This game deserves, you know, one loss between them with, with Penn State sitting at 8-1. and one. It deserves that night game wide out. I understand, you know, it's it's cold. Weather could be a factor at night, yada, yada, you name it. This game deserves that wide out environment, though. Really unfortunate that we, that we don't get it for this game. Um, but again, Michigan, the Wolverines traveling to Penn State. They are four and a half point. Road favorites, you've got an over-under of 44 and a half. Think about what that says about these defenses. That is definitely the strengths of, of these teams. Other strengths, I would say, is Michigan's kind of versatility. They can obviously hit you through the air. 
if uh, McCarthy is on. You've got receiving weapons and just a more kind of functional flowing air attack, I think, than the Nittany Lions have um, for, for their squad. You've also got Michigan, who's been playing over the last month, um, month plus. I don't know. It's, it's this, this saga of Connor Stallions, the, the cheating scandal allegations of the links that he or they or whoever in blue went to, uh, to gain information about opponents is just getting so ridiculous. I mean, make this thing a movie. And I don't mean a documentary just telling us the facts, although we need one too. We need a 30 for 30 on this and you know, it's, you know, it's cooking. I mean, it's, it's too good not to, but give me an absolute movie. I mean, give me Tom Cruise as Connor Stallions. Give me, you know, you name it. It just give me stars playing this thing out real life. Somebody running around as Connor Stallions with a mustache and, uh, you know, a disguise on the central Michigan sidelines, watching them play against Michigan state gaining. What would you possibly need to gain against Michigan state? If that aspect of this whole thing is true. I mean, Michigan wins that game 49 to nothing. I think they could have shut out Michigan state, especially in a year like this, uh, you know, with, with zero information, with, with little, little to no game plan uh, in place, uh, you know, scouting, what do you actually need? What can you gain about a team so bad as Michigan State right now? It, it's wild. These are, again, make it a soap opera series, make it a, an absolute Hollywood film. I'll watch it. I'm, I'm obviously here for the documentaries that are going to come out of this time. Michigan's been, you know, sending it back the other way, talking about information that was shared about them. Uh, through various matchups, and I think that just highlights that this crap happens. This sport is dirty, rubbing is racing, if you will. And again, I think it just crosses the line if you go to the links that Michigan is accused of, that Connor Stallions more so is accused of, and and frankly, that it looks that he's you know it looks to me that he's done those things. It's all going to come down to what can you prove, Harbaugh, AD members at Michigan, what did they know? What information did they accept? Did they instruct him to do these things? I mean, I really just, I wish, I wish honestly, and I like Michigan. So this is kind of painful to say, I wish Stallions would just get mad and, and let it loose, man. I want the Intel. I want the dirt. Um, again, what, all of that, all of that said, what impacts do those things have in a big game like this? Because for Michigan, it's the first big game, first, Really good, really, really solid 85-man opponent that they've played. You can't look through Michigan's schedule right now. Um, and again, there was a canceled game, uh, a buyout game that was supposed to be there, I believe, with Washington this year. And what a matchup that would have been. Uh, wouldn't mind seeing that one in the playoffs or in, in bowl season. Uh, but you can't look through Michigan's schedule and find a big game that they've played, that they've won. I think the best thing going for them is they've kind of manhandled everyone. Uh, you know, a little odd, a little off at times, at times of their 21 uh, point, uh, 28 point home win against Purdue last week. Uh, Purdue certainly not a, a great team, not Jeff, you know, they're not Brahms uh, Purdue anymore. Uh, it's Ryan Walter's show there now. And, and they're just not the program that they've been at times that can really scheme up and challenge uh, an opponent like a Michigan, like they've done at times before. Uh, Penn State, a little more ballad, uh, battle, a little more battle tested, um, most namely through their loss against Ohio State. Uh, at Ohio State, the game that they lost by eight points, um, 
you know, they got tested the week after that. Could have been a little bit hungover from that from that loss. Uh, but they they squeaked past Indiana a week later at home by nine points. Needed the late touchdown to to even get that that dub to nine points and and make it look a little more respectable. If you look back though, uh, late in September they did have a nice and I say nice because of Iowa's defense a nice thirty one to zero win over Iowa also at home just like this game is going to be. So Penn State probably more ready for a game like this. Uh, versus a Michigan who has kind of coasted coasted into the middle of November, uh, which, you know, again, not a fan of that. Uh, my team has not played the toughest schedule ever this year and it still found a couple losses on on that schedule, but just never a fan of of a schedule like this that allows you to just breeze uh, into, into November. But again, props to Michigan for handling teams the way that they've had. Between the teams, I think it comes down to me for – for this game is Michigan's offense. Again, the versatility that I talked about, uh, McCarthy, he can he can get the ball down the field. He can hurt you with his legs. You've still got Blake Corum. You've still got Donovan Edwards. You've still got guys on that defense. Again, maybe assisted by a little bit too much information, but they're just flat out handling business, whether they know what's coming, whether they don't. Uh, there's just too much for me that I like about Michigan when Penn State has kind of struggled in these big moments, they've kind of struggled to get things going offensively at other times. Um, I think that's going to be too much for Penn State to overcome despite this game being at home. Now, if Michigan wins this game, you've got to really like their chances against Ohio State as well. Um, if you don't already, I kind of do. Uh, just based on the teams, how they're playing, not so much, uh, again, the drama surrounding Michigan. But I think what I like, and, and I think this will be a close game because of the, the home field that, that Penn State will still have behind them. I think they'll cover the four and a half, uh, but I do think Michigan wins a close game here. I certainly think, again, we've just got to get into the 20s, guys. I think we go over 44 and a half because of how low that is. These defenses are, are capable of, of keeping that number below. I mean, this, this is, again, talked about it a minute ago with a much less impactful game with playoff implications and bowl implications, but these defenses are, are capable of keeping that, that number low. Uh, but I think with, with everything that, that comes into this game, I'm going to take the over. It's just too low for me in a big game like this. Uh, I think Michigan's going to be playing from a mindset of, you know, we've got so much drama, so many attacks coming at us and, and just watch us. Uh, they're going to flourish. I think with the drama that they've been facing so give me Michigan to win the game, Penn State to cover, give me over 44 and a half. Traveling south uh, into the west just a little bit from Pennsylvania over to Lexington, where the Wildcats, uh, the Mildcats as some might call them, will be hosting the Crimson Tide of Alabama. Um, Alabama, man, they've been impressive the way that they've done things without any form of the attack that they've had through the air. They don't have the ground game that they said and that the experts said and that the insiders thought they would have without running their quarterback. You know, they don't have the traditional ground game uh, this year through uh, Jace McClellan and Roy Dell Williams, but they're still such a potent team. They are still such a stout defense that can really bow their neck uh, when the time comes. And I think that's going to be a big issue for Kentucky. Uh, just look back a couple weeks into October uh, with with Kentucky when they traveled to Athens and they managed 13 points um, against 
Georgia this year, not not Georgia 2021, not Georgia 22, uh, the record-setting defenses. It's it's the 2023 one that can't hit you from quite so many levels. They don't cause quite the number of issues that they used to cause, but they're still stout. And I think the defense of Alabama is going to be looking to give basically that treatment to this Kentucky team. I don't like – we've seen Leary play some of his better ball of the season – you can't convince me though when this when this team when this guy couldn't beat a Tennessee at home, when they they couldn't manage again more than thir uh, you know they couldn't manage more than thirteen against Georgia, the way that Missouri came in and kind of slapped them around after they built a lead. You can't tell me that that team is going to be looking you know that that team is going to give Nick Saban a second regular season loss. There's just too many variables that I'm not going to buy. I'm not going to believe. I think Alabama could win this game a number of different ways, and I think uh, Kentucky would need everything to fall perfectly in order just as they planned it. And I just don't think Nick Saban's ever going to let you do that. I think you're going to need to adapt um, or you're going to need such skill level, such talent to to do that to them that Kentucky's just never had in my lifetime. They certainly don't have it now. Uh, they do have Ray Davis. Alabama's going to be really stiff against that run. I mean – Ray Davis, you know, within within 100 yards of 1,000 on the year, he's been so impressive. He can obviously do it with a handoff. He can do it catching it out of the backfield. Um, but, again, there's just there's no reason for me to like Kentucky in this game. And it, it, more than anything else, and I said it a moment ago, I just don't believe that that Kentucky, that Mark Stoops, that the, the Wildcats that I've known 30-plus years of my life are going to be the team – at this at this point, to give Alabama a second regular season loss, um, I don't think I've set this one up yet properly. Alabama eleven point road favorites in Lexington. Um, that's a that's a pretty big number. That tells you that it would be fourteen if this game was played in Tuscaloosa because of the home field advantage and the three points for the home team that you usually see in a betting spread. Um, that's a that's a rather massive number for a road team. But I think it's indicative of how Kentucky's played. Uh, look at look at what Alabama did. You know, 28 points allowed when Jaden Daniels was in the game. Questionable call for sure that knocked him out of the game. But, you know, it's not like they lost Dallas Turner for the first half to a targeting call. He's still in there. He's still going to be causing problems for, for Leary and that offense. So that's, again, a pretty large number at 11. I think Alabama covers it. I think they could absolutely win this game by by two plus touchdowns I think they could win it by um over under sitting at 47 and a half man there's some lower numbers this week and look you know I've been I've been riding riding the overs and I think it's it's easy to do that in my mind when when the numbers are super low it's also very easy and this is not a you know an absolutely premier top of the line opponent for Alabama Alabama's obviously got major aspirations for the season left in their tank Kentucky's you know on the outside looking in of anything but they're they're vying for for bowl bids at this point at six and three. They're not vying for Atlanta. Uh, they're not vying for a playoff like Alabama hopes to still do. Um, so it really comes down to those things. And and offenses can get tight when those type of things are on the line. And I'm just kind of speaking holistically to week eleven, not to this game. But forty seven and a half, and I think I'm going to go under. You know, I think Alabama, I don't think they're just going to walk in there and name their score like, you know, some of their vicious passing attacks probably would have done at times over, you know, the last few years. But they're still the, a far superior team to me with what Kentucky has shown in their losses. 
and I think they're going to go in there and kind of name their score. I think they could absolutely win by 17-plus, like I said a minute ago. Give me Alabama covering 11. I'm going to take the under, like I said, uh, just because Alabama's not quite as potent as they've been. But I think that's how it's going to shake out in Lexington. Last, certainly not least, on the slate for Week 11, Lane Kiffin and his Ole Miss squad traveling to Athens, Georgia to face the Dogs, 7 p.m. Sanford Stadium. You've got Georgia, who are 10.5 home favorites, 10.5-point favorites at home. You've got an over-under of 58.5. Wild to see a number like that when the game features Georgia and the defense that they've been known for. Um, basically, this all boils down to me. What you got, Ole Miss? What you got, Lane? Can y'all devise a game plan or have enough curveballs and change-ups in your game plan to actually challenge this Georgia team in ways that Missouri wasn't able to do within nine points? Again, counting a couple turnovers in that were huge, huge in Georgia's efforts and holding Missouri off. Um, you know, look at Ole Miss and, and kind of, I'm going to call it, I don't feel bad about calling it a stinker that they laid in Tuscaloosa being held to 10 points when we're all expecting, no, 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 I'm actually not expecting it, but it seems like people are expecting Lane to be the next former Saban assistant to knock him off. Look, if he hasn't done it now, why in the heck is he going to do it in the future unless, again, we get to the absolute end of Saban's career or something like that, which he's proving this is clearly not. He is certainly not out of juice as a head coach. So what what does Lane have? What can he even stack his deck full of, how can he even, you know, play his cards to me to cover 10 and a half points in, in Athens at 7 p.m.? You've got Georgia fans online calling for an environment, you know, the, the most recent one they point to is hosting number one Tennessee in 2022. That's the closest one that they kind of point to. You kind of talk about there, there's a little bit of disappointment in the environment for when they hosted Missouri uh, last week and, and that it wasn't good enough for their standards, which is, I think, fair. Um, I did watch more than half of that game, and I, I would agree with that. But again, you talk about a not game with a hothead still guy that likes to talk, a one-loss team, a top 10 opponent in Ole Miss, number nine, as they currently sit right now, and that environment should be rocking. Now, Tennessee fans, we need we need old Ole Miss, we need Lane Kiffin to do us solid because he's never he's never done many of those uh, for Tennessee. But you know if you're if you're Tennessee, you need him to win this game to give you a chance at playing for the East if you beat Missouri and have Georgia coming in. Uh, you know when you're going to play them next week, regardless, you need that game. If you want it to count for the East, then you need Ole Miss to win this game. And I'm sorry, I don't think Brock Bowers is a factor. I don't think there are many factors. That, that Ole Miss can pull in this game. I like Georgia to cover that 10.5-point spread. 58.5 all depends on what Georgia offense we get. Do we get the one that kind of starts slow out of the gate, that kind of matches how the opponent's playing, or or even Georgia's done this this year. You know, they've got out to touchdown or so uh, deficits in games, and they've flown right back. You know, the greatest example, kind of the, the sleepiest game, if you will, that they've played all year being at Auburn. Uh, and look, that's a that's an old rivalry with deep roots. Uh, you've also got the fact that 
Ole Miss is the only active SEC team that Kirby's not beat in his tenure at Georgia. They they got killed by Ole Miss in 2016, his first year in Athens, obviously. They got killed by them then. Um, I just think it couldn't be more different this time around. I don't expect Georgia to – I don't expect them to embarrass Ole Miss. They certainly could. I also don't think that, you know, with, unless it's a 28-point beatdown or maybe even 21, you could stretch it down there, that it's an embarrassment. But they're certainly better than 10.5 points. Uh, over Ole Miss right now, I like Georgia to win this game by by fourteen to seventeen all day. I'm going to go under fifty eight and a half just because again talk about Ole Miss scoring ten points in Tuscaloosa and all the talk about Lane being the next saving assistant to beat them didn't happen. The things that I like for Ole Miss would have to absolutely just be insane, uh, and that's Dart's legs. Um, you know he is their third leading rusher with a. Very respectable, 334 and seven touchdowns this year. Uh, the problem for me is that I don't think he is going to process things quickly enough. I don't think the receivers are going to be open enough for him to do anywhere near his average or, or anywhere near his best through the air. And again, this is not the this is not the same Georgia defense of 2021 and 2022. Um, I still just I just don't see it being enough. I'd be shocked if it was. Um, give me Georgia to cover. Give me the the under yet again, although I'll be rooting for Ole Miss. Uh, I'm not going to tell my wife that. I'm not going to tell my Georgia buddies that. I will certainly be rooting for Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin as hard as that can be. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Talk about, again, just a jam-packed slate. A, a when, week, when we're this far, when we're 11 weeks into the season, this is what we deserve. We're getting, we're getting a great slate. Didn't even mention some some probably really good games out there. Those games that Dan always is like, hey, check out check out ESPN two, check out what's going on with Kansas and you name it. Uh, we've got more games like that that I didn't even talk about. It's just a jam packed slate. Can't wait to take the action in. It's going to be a beautiful day, uh, at least in these parts, uh, and hoping to see again nothing but fantastic football played across the country from noon to midnight. Because talk about that. Oregon and USC game kicking off so late. It'll definitely be Sunday Eastern by the time that bad boy ends. All those things said, thank you so much for tuning in to the Pandemonium Reigns podcast. We love doing this for you. We appreciate you so much for keeping us going, for checking it out. Uh, Again, share your thoughts with us. Share this podcast. Like, follow, subscribe if you haven't already. God bless. GBO. Go Rebel Black Bear Lynch Sharks.